Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we continue our pre-tournament coverage of the 2024 Australian Open. That's right, folks. The year's first major is less than 48 hours away. And of course, we know here at Cracked Rackets, we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't offer you a draw preview for both the women's and men's singles competition. That is is precisely what I plan on doing on this podcast over the next two days. I had hoped to have some guests to banter about this draw with. Unfortunately, we had some scheduling conflicts. That happens from time to time. Nevertheless, I feel more than comfortable steering the ship, guiding you all through the early round action in Each of our draw previews, I want to break down each of the four quarters of the draw. Again, talk about which of our top seeds have the toughest pathway to the title. Then I want to break things down at a more granular level. I want to talk about the best round one matches we have in each section. Look at the dark horses, the seeds who are subsequently in first week jeopardy. I've got a section called For the Nerds for each quarter, which I imagine will evolve as this podcast goes. Then, of course, It wouldn't be a draw preview if I didn't offer my predictions for all of you listeners. I have picks for the round of 16 onwards. Again, going to make those in each quarter of the draw. That will be our agenda for each of our draw previews. I want to steer you through both the Australian Open men's and women's singles draws on today's show. I want to focus on the women's action. Of course, if you're looking for my top 10 power rankings entering this event, head on over to the Mini Break podcast feed, have that conversation conversation with our dear friend David Kane. You can find the equivalent men's conversation with our dear friend Chris Otto on that podcast feed as well. Again, the rest of the way, our draw previews, they're going to be housed here on the Great Shot podcast feed. But of course, for daily recaps throughout the Australian Open, the mini break podcast feed is going to be the place for you. We'll have our daily previews, my favorite matches, the things I think you have to watch, which of course is a particularly important thing to have organized as a fan, given how much action we see through the first few days of play. Those preview podcasts are going to be housed here on the Great Shot podcast feed. So make sure you're subscribed to all of our Crack Rackets channels. Those mini break podcasts, I believe, are going to be available in video form on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. So if you haven't already, go subscribe there. You can watch me stutter my way through these podcasts with my smiling face each and every day over on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. So again, like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. We appreciate all of you who have 
have already done so. Uh, but obviously, again, be on the lookout for plenty more content throughout the course of the year's first slam. With that said, let's get into the 2024 Australian Open women's singles draw one to organize my preview by starting at the top of the draw with the Sviantec quarter. Then we'll work our way all the way to Sabalenka, who, of course, is housed in the bottom half of the draw. And it is just worth noting here at the top before we get into the Sviantec quarter, top half of the draw is the tougher half of the draw. You look at my top 10 power rankings. I had a clear delineation of my top three tiers after number eight on my list. Six of the top eight players all in the top half of the draw. Sviantec, Rabakna, obviously the headliners, but you've got Ostapenko in this section. She's in the Sviantec quarter specifically. Pagula, Junction Wen, who's obviously come on so strong of late. They're both in this top half of the draw as well. So in my opinion, there is no doubt the tougher half is the top half of those top eight contenders I had entering the event. Again, only two of them, Elena Rabakina and Arena Sabalenka, find themselves in the bottom half of the draw. I think I forgot to mention Victoria Azarenka. She's in the top half of the draw in the Sviantec quarter as well. So I think top half is a little bit perhaps more lopsided in terms of difficulty than the bottom half. Nevertheless, there are tough matches everywhere. There are dark horses everywhere. Again, I ultimately think there is still a clear delineation between the top four and the rest of the field. So spoiler alert, that might be where my predictions are heading. That said, how are we going to get there? Well, it starts by looking at the Sviantec quarter of the draw. And certainly, I think this is the toughest quarter. You look at the seeds in this section of the draw from the start, your eight seeds in order. Iga Sviantec, your top seed. You've also got seventh seeded Marketa Vondrusova, 11th seeded Yelena Ostapenko, 15th seeded Veronica Kudermatova, 18th seeded Victoria Azarenka, 19th seeded Alina Svitolina, who of course made a final in Auckland to start her season. You've got Emma Navarro, finalist in Hobart here this week, semi-finalist last week, Marie Boshkova, your last seed in this section. So again, Boshkova is the one who hasn't had a headline result in quite some time. Kudermatova beat Sviantec before she ripped off this 19-match winning streak. So if nothing else has that claim to fame for being a tough opponent in this section. Do I think Marketa Vondrosova is playing her best tennis entering this event? I don't. But she won the Wimbledon final six months ago and obviously had a pretty solid North American hardcore showing. Did enough to be top eight throughout the course of the entirety of the 2023 season. Obviously, you win a slam title. That certainly helps. But seeds alone... It's a tough pathway for Iga Sviantec to have Yelena Ostapenko in particular as a potential quarterfinal bout. Obviously, Ostapenko has just beaten Sviantec at the U.S. Open. We've seen that result. Victoria Azarenka, semifinalist in Australia last season, I believe, and looked really good in beating Ostapenko in Brisbane. She lost to Sabalenka in the semifinals there, but Sabalenka was playing world number one tennis in that match. So here's the point. Seeds alone, I think Sviantek got the toughest section of the draw. Obviously, she's got a pretty tough first-round matchup as well. She's taking on a former Australian Open champ in 2020 champion Sonia Kennan. Now, did Kennan look her best in her couple of warm-up events? One and two overall. I thought the first set against Daria Seville was a really high level of tennis, a set Kennan probably had on her racket and should have won once she lost that. She kind of faded away in that match. 
But, I mean, again, we saw her in San Diego, in Mexico, down the season's home stretch. She was starting to play top 25 tennis again. To have that sort of matchup as your first-round matchup, a matchup with a player who has won this event before, that's obviously the best first-round match in this section. But even right beneath that, I have one of my favorite matches of round number one in this top quarter. That's Collins Kerber. I mean, again, you place Ken in one. I mean, we saw Svantec Kerber at United Cup. I think... Shvantec would roll through Kerber once again, but let's say it's Collins, who I think probably gets through Angelique Kerber. Does Kerber have the weapons to disrupt Collins' rhythm? Not frequently enough. Collins is going to get some free swings, and that's just the one thing you cannot give her. If Collins gets through that look, starts to gain some confidence, knows she can swing as freely as she wants because otherwise she'll lose anyways. I mean, we saw her play Shvantec really tight in Canada on hard courts five months ago. Again, I think Iga gets through both. I want to be abundantly clear, Iga Nation. I am not hitting the panic button at all, but that's a tough section for Iga Sviantek. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Two of my favorite first-round matches. And again, matchup-wise, Collins is going to feast on that Kerber serve as a returner. Kerber's going to make her work. Kerber's going to get her stretched into the outer thirds, change direction. I think that's a fun match. If Kerber wins, Sviantek cruises to round three. If Collins wins... Now that round two really starts to have my attention because Collins is going to get pushed, obviously, physically in that Kerber round one match. That was a top five match for me. Other top five matches in this quarter. How about Azarenka Georgie? You like firepower? That's the one. And look, you never know which Camilla, uh, Camilla Georgie is going to show up. But if she comes out swinging, she can at least push Azarenka. That said, Azarenka was moving so well in Brisbane to start the year, striking the ball so beautifully. And again, she right now, one of seven players to rank top 20 in both hold and break percentage amongst top 50 players. Shout out to Tennis Abstract, by the way. Now I'm going to be able to include players ranked 51 through 100 in my metrics as well. And again, she's one of seven players to rank top 20 in both hold and break percentage amongst the top 100 players. Shout out to Tennis Abstract. Uh, Vika gets through that comfortably. It means she means business in this event. So that's one to watch. The other two I have... Uh, a couple of checks versus a couple of, I don't know, is Diana Yastrzemska still young? I'm not sure, but look, she came through qualifying, ultimately gets through the main draw. I think she's back in the top 100, always explosive. And again, we didn't see the best of Androsova in United Cup. If she's a little bit banged up still, health has been an issue for her early in her career. Uh, obviously, when she is healthy, she's played top 15, if not top 10, top 8 tennis, slam winning tennis. But Yastrzemska is always a tough round one test because you just you're never going to find your rhythm against someone who who plays in the game style that she does. So, anyways, that's a good one, and then one for dare I say for me, Bozhkova versus Naskova. Let's see Linda Naskova have those weapons pushed. You know, again, Bozhkova is going to be able to absorb the plus one ball. Bozhkova is going to be able to get Naskova stretched into the outer third. She's not going to do it with pace, though. Again, Naskova is going to be able to dictate the terms of engagement. She's actually a 54% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. I mean, again, Bozhkova to start her season wins over Freak, Anisimova, a loss to Svitolina, then beats Golubic before losing to Putensiva in three and Hobart. It's a fine start to her season. Hasn't been anything noticeably poor. Noskova obviously qualifies then, uh, not qualifies, excuse me, just straight up semifinals in Brisbane, wins over Mira Andriva, Serana Kirste, amongst others. It's a great early litmus test for Noskova. And again, eventually, I think she's going to have a big result at a slam. Why not get it started right away with a win over Boshkova? One more for the nerds, round number one. And I guess this is the round, I think, for the nerds section will be just 
favorite round one matches for people who are who like to nerd out like me. There's a straight up 50-50% split on tennis abstract, something I've never seen before. Straight up 50% each in the tennis abstract singles forecast. Fiona Farrow versus McCartney Kessler. I don't know if that's ever happened before. I will ask Jeff Sackman that question, but remarkable. Kessler, obviously, former University of Florida All-American wildcard recipient after she wins the USTA Challenge. She's taking on qualifier Fiona Farrow, former top 50 player. 50-50 exactly in the tennis abstract draw forecast. I have never seen that before. Again, I guess that's my for the nerds here in this top quarter Let's move on, though, now to the dark horses in this section. I do think there are a couple of them. I already made the case for Danielle Collins if she gets hot. I guess if Sonia Kennan comes out swinging, uh, certainly beats Fiontek, then she it moves from dark horse to maybe contender in this event. But those are the two obvious ones we've discussed thus far. I think there are four other names you'd turn to. Linda Neskova, obviously, coming off of the semifinal in Brisbane. Again, she beats Boshkova. Her third-round opponent would be Iga, so I don't think she's ready for that sort of challenge. But at that point, again, you make a third round, you play the world number one, play on center court, you make a name for yourself. That's a name you might be just more familiar or more, dare I say, mainstreamed after this event. Two other names I would point to, three, excuse me, Clara Tossin. Why not? Like Again, Hreetman in round number one, she's going to have the opportunity to swing freely in that match. If she can beat Vika in round number two, and we've seen Tossin play elite tennis in beating Annette Conteve at the Australian Open before, if she can summon that level again, get through Azarenka, now a round three battle, her and Ostapenko just swinging freely again. That's a really tough round two, round three. I don't know if she has a pathway to round number four, but it's a name worth mentioning. And then last but not least... I think Katarina Sinyakova is playing a really good ball right now. We saw that at the end of last season, her making quarterfinals Ningbo, finals of Hong Kong, then wins the title in Nanchung, wins over Pavlichenkova, Fernandez, Boshkova during that stretch. Round of 16 in Adelaide, but she had to come through qualifying, gets a win over Pliskova before a tight three-set la- loss to Pavlichenkova. I think she beats uh, Jacqueline Christian in round number one. And then what has Veronica Kudermatova showed you of late in terms of consistency? Not much. Yeah, it was a fun three-set match versus Potapova that she lost in Brisbane. But I think Sinyakova's played as well, at least to start. I mean, again, Sinyakova's playing good ball. To bet on her more than anything else, she gets through Kudermatova. Now a round three matchup against Svitolina. Svitolina would be the favorite there, but things could certainly be worse just keep your eye on Katarina Sinyakova. Not playing doubles with Krejcikova this year. I think singles is going to be a bigger focus for her. I could see her making a round three, round four push. Just an unseeded name to break seed, dare I say. Keep an eye on Then Of the seeded dark horses, you look at that bottom quarter of the draw. Vondrosova has not shown you much thus far this year. And again, I think she does get through Yastremska. Will certainly be a heavy favorite to get through Gracheva and Vic Meyer. But what if she doesn't get through one of those players? Doesn't think, don't, what if she's a little bit banged up? Then things really open up for that round one winner, whether it's the big swinging lefty Wang Shiyu, the 22 year old from China, or her opponent, 27th seeded Emma Navarro, who again has started her season with semifinals and finals appearances with a chance to win the title this week in Hobart. It's an opportunity for Emma Navarro in this section of the draw to get to her first, second week at a major and you know get a shot maybe against an Ostapenko or an Azarenka. You look at the seeds in jeopardy 
in this section. Uh, again, Bozhkova's got the round one against Naskova right away. She might be in trouble. That Kudermatova section, she is the 15 seed, so favored to get to the second week. But Sinyakova, Svitolina, who again has played top 20 tennis, it might only be 11 matches. She has looked so, or 20 matches, whatever. She's looked so good since returning to the court. I actually think it's north of 20. Anyways, I just think she's playing elite level tennis. I think she would be favored over Kudermatova straight up to get to the round of 16 should they play in the third round. So, I think she's in serious trouble. Azarenka, the toss-in match in round one, if she can get through that. Her versus Ostapenko would be a really fun rematch in round three. And then just Fondrosova. you got to have some questions based on we just haven't seen her healthy in quite some time. And it was a shaky start at United Cup. That said, predictions for the top section might be my most boring, maybe, of the four quarters. I'm going to go Sviantek over Svitolina again. I've really liked what I've seen from Svitolina, but Iga going to Iga. I'm going to take Ostapenko to get to the quarterfinals as well. I've said this on multiple podcasts. I think she's playing the best tennis of her career. <sighs> no one bought more stock heading into 2023 in Marketa Vondrosova than me. I was the biggest proponent of her making a push. I didn't see Wimbledon title, but I thought she could get back to the top 15. She certainly did that and more. But I'm going to go Emma Navarro. I'm going to buy stock in the NCAA 2021 Women's Singles Champion. Give me Ostapenko over Navarro on the round of 16. That's a stretch. I'm going to be wrong about that. But something weird is going to happen in that section. Or Vondrosova is going to get through and look really healthy. Anyways, give me Sviantek over Ostapenko in what I promise will be a very fun quarterfinal bout between the two in U.S. Open rematch. Next up, the Rabakina quarter. And I'll try... To stay concise, that was 12 minutes, not too shabby. I think I can keep that pace, maybe improve it, excuse me, moving forward. Let's look at the seeds in the Rabakana section. I'd probably call this the second sec- uh, toughest quarter of the draw. Rabakana, of course, why might just be the toughest away because she's got Jessica Pagula in her section. And yeah, Pagula had to withdraw this week before playing the Kasakina match, but for her to get a couple of three-set wins under her belt, just get some momentum, get calloused up before the start of this uh, major, she just Round of 16s, quarterfinals, that's what she makes. She doesn't get upset or lose to players she shouldn't, and I think this section of the draw actually opens up pretty well for her to not have a serious test until week number two. Uh, you look at the seeds in this section, Rabakina Pagula, your top two at three and five, respectively. You do have another top eight player, though, in Junction when the 12 seed, she would be a potential fourth-round match for Jessica Pagula. You know, Daria, you know, ensuring Rubakina has a top eight opponent, I suppose, in that hypothetical quarterfinal. Kasatkina, the 14th seed, Kirstea, 22. Then you've got Kalinina, 24. Paulini, 26. Julin, your number 29 seed. You know, it gets a little thin at the bottom. You never know which Kirstea you're going to get. I always think a player with the right weapons. Kasatkina is always a nice matchup. Julin can play well, but have you seen it consistently at the slams? No. Paulini, a recent breakthrough, but got to see it to believe it. Same always. You're never sure how healthy Kalinina is. It's not the deepest section by seeds, but again, Rabakina, Pagula, Chinwen is your top three, and you know you're going to get the best of Kasakina always as your number four seed in this section. So I'm going to call this the second toughest, not only because of the seeds in the quarter, but because of some of the dark horses. We have littered everywhere, and you start to see them right away in round number one. 
I have six matches I pointed out, and that's not even before. Uh, that's before we get to nerding out. You start with a headline matchup, certainly by name. Now, Elena Rabakina, yes, she lost last week, but she looked so good in Brisbane to start the year. She will be the favorite against Karolina Pliskova, regardless of success Pliskova has had in Australia throughout the course of her career, including as recently as last season, where, of course, we saw Karolina Pliskova reach the quarterfinals of this event. Now, of course, she was the number 30 seed at that event and only had to face one seed, 23rd seeded Jung Shui, on her way to that quarterfinal. Rabakina, a little bit of a step up. I mean, again, Rabakina, just the pace she plays with, she will be able to get Pliskova stretched in ways that will make Pliskova so uncomfortable. Rabakina should be the 80.4% favorite that Tennis Abstract has her as, but again, names alone, that's a fun one. I like Kasatkina versus Peyton Stearns. Now, Kasatkina is an 83.3% favorite. She will be able to absorb some of the first blows of the kick serve and plus one forehand combination Stearns excels so well at. But Peyton Stearns is going to have time to do things, to be aggressive in that match. And, you know, keep in mind, she made a fourth round at the U.S. Open. She's got clutch in her genes, former NCAA team champion twice, NCAA singles champion in 2022 as well. That's a fascinating round one match because if Stearns gets through it, that section opens up wide open. And then players like Sloane Stevens, Anna Kalinskaya, maybe even, again, uh, Olivia Gattasecki, like with how well she's played to start the season. Now you start to get wide-eyed if Kasekina gets knocked out early. And Peyton Stearns certainly has the weapons on the right day and the confidence in herself to swing decisively enough like you have to against someone who extends rallies as well as Kasekina to do so. That's too big of a number. She's an 83.3% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. Stearns is going to give her trouble. That's an upset alert round one. If you like big hitting, two rising stars. Again, Ashlyn Kruger, 19 years old. She's not quite consistent enough to probably knock off Chin Wen in round one, but that's a lot of firepower. Two young stars we're going to see a lot of over the next decade. Paulini, the 26th seed, taking on big hitting. Diana Schneider, of course, we saw Schneider push Sakari at this event last year. I'm intrigued. That's going to be a fun one. Again, the lefty is going to give the big hitting Paulini some difficulties. She'll have opportunities to feast on the Paulini second serve, and she's such a good returner. Anyways, Paulini's return going to give Schneider some troubles as well. Again, expecting at least seven breaks of serve in that match, but you're going to see some firepower from the baseline as well. Gattaseki, the wild card's played well. She's got Sloan Stevens. That's a fun round one. And then I'm telling you, if she's healthy, I thought Emma Raducanu played maybe her best tennis in a year, year and a half, maybe since the 2021 U.S. Open to start her season in Auckland. She's got Shelby Rogers coming off of injury in round number one as well. Winner of that's going to play Serana Kirstea in round two. They both have to be considered dark horses because I think that's a winnable match. Again, you're never sure which Serana Kirstea you're going to get. And Kirstea down the home stretch of the season. Quarterfinals U.S. Open. That was really good. Beat Benchich, beat Rabakina. Obviously had the big Miami run as well. She then lost since that U.S. Open run. Beats Claire Liu, then loses to Sinyakova, Martich, Ava Lise, Naskova, and Ostapenko. Now, three of her five losses, three set losses, but again, you're never quite sure which Serana Kirstea you're going to end up getting still. That's a fascinating, fascinating section of the draw, and I really, I really did like what I saw from Emma Raducanu. So she, Shelby Rogers, probably would lead my dark horse section. The winner of that, again, I think can absolutely uh, knock out a Serana Kirstea on the right day in round number two. I also have Sloane Stevens. 
Anna Kalinskaya and Peyton Stearns all as dark horses in that Kasatkina section to get to week number two. Uh, Kalinskaya's played a really good ball of late. You look at her results, she wins Midland, which of course I got the chance to be at, made the final of Tampa Co, the 125K the week before. Yeah, she gets knocked out uh, in Brisbane by Azarenka round two, but beat Para in round one, then qualifies and beats Krechakova in Adelaide before 7-5 third set loss to Daria Kasakina. Of all the dark horses in the section, I'm even more confident in her than I would be a Sloan Stevens, even more confident than a Peyton Stearns, who, yeah, I know I saw make around four at the U.S. Open, but I'm just telling you, Count Sky is playing really well right now. Uh, I think they are all possible candidates to knock out Daria Kasakina, knock out an Annalena Kalinina, the other seed in that section, make a run to week number two. Got to give some respect to Karolina Pliskova. She did quarterfinal this event last year. If she can beat Rabakina again, it rips this section wide open. Diana Schneider, another name. I just, I love the lefties game. Former NC State All-Americans got the goods. It's win, not if. She does something special. I think it'll be on clay. Not the hard courts personally, but we'll see. Ashlyn Kruger, again, maybe she hits her big way through. Maybe that's the breakthrough she needs. She disrupts the rhythm of Chin Wen, particularly on that forehand wing. And then last but not least, just given what she did against Jessica Pagula, you got to tip your cap to Katie Bolter, who's also got this week's semifinalist from Hobart, Yuan Yua, who's a little bit of a dark horse in that section. Now, the problem is the winner of that would probably face Chin Wen in round number two, and I just think Chin Wen has the power to make both of them too uncomfortable, but... Tip of the cap to Katie Bolter. If she plays like she did against Pagula, not only can she beat Yuan Yua in round one, she could beat Chin Wen, she could beat Kirstea, she could get to the second week of this event and, again, make a serious run at this Australian Open. In terms of seeds in jeopardy, I've, you know, I've made the Kasakina case, so I'm not going to beat beat down the drum there any further. I think you all see that. Outside of that, I think our top 16 seeds, if you're Rabakina, you feel pretty good. You know, you've got Paulini, Osorio. Oh, I, I should have mentioned for the nerds. I, I skipped that section. We'll go back to it here. Uh, we'll get back to it in a moment. But uh, certainly, again, if you're Paulini, like Daishnai, Diana Schneider round one, the winner of that You'd face the winner of Tatiana Maria, her relentless consistency, or just the totality of springiness that comes in Kami Osorio. That's a tough round one, round two for Paulina to even hold seed. Get a shot at Rabakina. Same with Kirstea. I mentioned it. Rogers, Radakanu, both. Uh, she'll face the winner of that in round two. That's a tough matchup for her to hold seed, try to get to round number three. Outside of that, though, again, I feel pretty good about Chinwen, pretty good about Kasakina. Pretty darn good about Jessica Pagula's section as well. I mean, the toughest name she'll face, Julin. Julin's tough, but Jessica Pagula has made a living over these last two and a half years beating the Julins of the world. So, again, I, seeds in section, I think this one goes pretty straightforward. Now, for the nerds, some first-round matches to keep in mind. Bolter versus Yuan Yua. Again, Yuan Yua is a quietly rising 26-year-old from China. She's into the top 70. Uh, 70 of the rankings for the first time. Her forehand is springy, and she's going to get Katie Bolter stretched, but the way Bolter held the baseline against Pagula, mm, is that a fun one? If you like consistency, you like athleticism, that Tatiana Maria, Kami Osorio round one matchup's fun. And then for the nerds, Kalinskaya taking on qualifier Katie Valinets. Valinets is just relentless. That's two fantastic competitors. That one's just that's going to be a fun one to keep an eye on. But in terms of predictions for this section, 
I think we're going to hold script. Like, it's just too much respect for Elena Rybakina, who I'll take Kalinskaya. Why not? I'll get bold to get through to the round of 16, but then I think Rybakina gives her the business. I think Pagula squeaks through against Junction when in the round of 16, just the experience delta there. I think this is the year where in those sorts of matches, if Pagula gets the opportunity, she'll have more success. I just, I think the field has gotten stronger. She's not going to have as many opportunities. That said, let me take her to squeeze in another quarterfinal appearance here at the majors to start her year. That said, I think that's where the run ends. Again, I think the top four is pretty damn clear. I'm going to take Rabakana to advance out of her quarter of the draw. And that top half is juicy, isn't it? Sviantek, Rabakana. I'll get to who I have winning that matchup uh, as we get to our final previews at the end of uh, predictions, excuse me, at the end of the show. Let's now transition to the bottom half of the draw. And we'll start with the Coco Golf quarter. I have this as the easiest section. I think this things are going to be pretty straightforward for Coco Goff. I think her toughest matchup will come in round number three against Leila Fernandez, who I think is playing some really good ball of late. But again, after that, like you look at the seeds in this section. Yeah, Maria Sakari has played better of late. There's no doubt about it. The number eight seed getting a, a much needed title to end last year, but... You know, again, Haddad Maya, she looked fine at United Cup. Yeah, she has that French Open semifinal under her name, but I don't know how scared I am of her. If Caroline Garcia catches lightning in a bottle, you're certainly scared, but I don't know if she's going to win her first round match. She's got Naomi Osaka, which again, I like the dark horses in the golf quarter more than the dark horses in any other section, but that speaks to maybe some limits of the seeds because honestly, after Coco Goff, you could argue the two best seeds, not Sakari or Haddad Maya, I w- maybe even not Garcia, 20th seed in Magda Lynette, 23rd seed in Anastasia Potapova, who you have a big health question about given how she pulled out of Brisbane. But honestly, I'm like, like 25th seeded Elisa Mertens, who has won nine consecutive matches heading into the Hobart final on Saturday. Uh, or Layla Fernandez, who I'm just telling you, I know she lost to Sakari, but she should have beaten her at United Cup. She was playing exceptional tennis down the season's home stretch. Again, those are your eight seeds in this section. Goff, the fourth seed. Sakari, the eight. Haddad Maya, your 10. Garcia, 16. Lynette, 20. Potapova, 23. Mertens, 25. And Fernandez, 32. Uh, four of those seeds featured in my best first-round matches. I got five for you from this section. It starts with that Garcia-Osaka match. Look, Naomi looked really good in uh, in her first-round victory. Uh, obviously, her opponent, Tamara Korpot's a little bit under the weather, but she looked in rhythm on serving. When Naomi was in rhythm, she's still just able to overwhelm you with such elite power. Tennis was on the brink against Carolina Plisko. Again, losing that match 3 6, 7 6, 6 4. Had her chances down the home stretch of set number two before an early break. Things kind of got away from her in set number three. If you can get Naomi to the two-hour mark, you can definitely slow her down. But again, when she can keep the ball in front of her, when she can stay in rhythm, when she can assert herself with her weapons, which she seems to still be able to do... Look out. Like, this is a front foot power tennis match. And right now, Garcia is probably a little bit better at that style, a little bit more consistent than this version of Naomi Osaka. But bet against Osaka at your own peril. Because, again, when she shows up for big events motivated and ready, she usually wins them. And we've seen that, obviously, in the four major titles she has accumulated already in her career. So that's obviously headline match number one. Headline match number two is your biggest upset alert. Magda Lynette, the number 20 seed, a semifinalist here last year. 
I don't know how she beats Caroline Wozniacki in round one. Wozniacki looked really good in her first round match against Fidelina, albeit a loss. I just don't know how Lynette hurts Wozniacki consistently enough. That said, I mean, again, Wozniacki is going to give Lynette some rhythm. Certainly, Lynette will have opportunities to change direction, go line with her backhand, which she does so well. But I think Caroline Wozniacki gets through that. And once she gets through that again, you play the winner of Cornet or the 20-year-old Russian Maria Timofeeva qualifier. I think she'd be favored to get through that. If it is Haddad Maya, and that's a big if because I like a lot of dark horses in this section of the draw. Saripa's Tormo, the 16-year-old Alina Kornieva, who I'll talk about in a moment. It's an interesting section for Wozniacki. Things could open up for her very well. She's one of my top dark horses alongside of Naomi Osaka. We'll get to the rest of that list in a moment. A couple of my dark horses are in this round one great matches. How about Sarah Bialik, another talented young Czech taking on Leila Fernandez. That's a really fun first round match. Marta Kostyuk, fresh off of a semifinal, did she make? Who'd she just lose to? Marta Kostyuk lost to someone but looked pretty good. In, oh, she lost to Ostapenko. I think it was quarterfinals, uh, not semifinals this week in Adelaide. But a big slam breakthrough is coming for Kostyuk. This is a big season for Kostyuk in terms of proving she's still a top 10 upside, top 8 sort of player. She'll get pushed against the weapons of Claire Lou, but I just think the sort of athlete Kostyuk is, she should get through that. That said, that's a fun one between two talented young players. Speaking of which, Potapova versus Kaya Yuvan, almost in the nerd section, not quite, but that's a fun one to keep in mind. The two for the nerds in this section in the first round, Alicia Parks versus Daria Sneger. Now, we obviously haven't heard much from the young Ukrainian Sneger since she beat Halep in round one of the U.S. Open a couple of years ago, but, I mean, again, can she knock out the immensely talented, powerful, aggressive, loves to move forward. Again, uh, dare I say, serve bot Alicia Parks. That's a fun contrast in style between those two, a fun round one matchup. And then for the nerds is always Sarah Saripa's Tormo because she is just out there grinding and you kind of got to love that fight to be, you can love the patience of knowing her slice backhand is always the default and she's going to work her way into those 10 plus shot rallies. She's taking on maybe the most talented of the 16-year-olds we have. Not Mira Andreeva, not Brenda Fruvertova, no, Alina Kornieva. Get to know the name. That is a fascinating, fascinating first-round match. Kornieva gets through that. She'll face the winner of Linda Fruvertova and Beatrice Haddad Maya, so likely Haddad Maya get a real shot at a top 15 player. I would love to see that, obviously. Again, this is why it's for the nerd section. But hey, Saribas Tormo gets through, can absolutely beat Haddad Maya, then absolutely perhaps beat a Wozniacki in round three, find herself back in round four of a major, get herself back in that top 35 conversation where just as a competitor, she always belongs. In terms of the dark horses in this section, again, I think the case for Naomi Osaka, pretty clear. And by the way, if she can beat her top 16 seed in Caroline Garcia round one, obviously everything opens up after that. I mean, the case for Wozniacki already. The Marta Kostyuk case, pretty self-explanatory. If she can get through Claire Lou, the problem is she'd face Elisa Mertens, who's also one of my dark horses. I think the winner of Kostyuk Mertens should be favored over eighth-seeded Maria Sakkari, who, by the way, I do think has played really well of late. Not be favored. That's too much. I apologize for the hyperbole. But the winner of Kostyuk Mertens in round two, which I think will be the match, is 50-50 with Sakari in round number three. Not because Sakari struggles at the majors, because both Mertens and Kostyuk are playing that well. They're a dark horse pick to make the fourth round pull off, dare I say, an upset of Sakari. That did feel too 
ordinary or too regular, dare I say, throughout the course of the 2023 season. The other ones in this section, Yulia Putenseva, you just never know which version of her you're going to get. And let's say Osaka does beat Garcia. Potapova's a little bit injured. Then that quarter can open up so wide. And then I'm just telling you, Layla Fernandez is playing really good ball right now. You look at what Fernandez was able to do down the home stretch of the season. Quarterfinals, Guadalajara, where she beats Mertens and Navarro. Wins Hong Kong, wins over Andriva, Azarenka, Sinyakova. Then semifinals, Nanchung, where she loses in the rematch to Sinyakova. Wins over Vondrosova, Paulini, Lynette, Saribas, Tormo, and Billie Jean King Cup. Should have won the first set against Maria Sakari in a straight set lost in United Cup. She's just playing good ball right now. She's going to give Coco Goff as tough as a run of as anyone in this section. But, you know, again, ultimately, when you look at the seeds in jeopardy in this section, you probably turn to Caroline Garcia first. Just Osaka round one. If it's Daria Seville round two, she's playing really well in front of a home crowd. You never know what's going to happen. That maybe you put her on that list. Obviously, Potapova, if healthy. Garcia is a top 16 seed in, uh, in trouble. Haddad Maya with Cerebez Tormo, Wozniacki, a desperate Magdalenetta need to defend points. And then, yeah, let's say Kornieva does click. She's got to be in jeopardy. Sakari, just because Kostic and Mertens are very, very dangerous and they're both in her section. She's in jeopardy of falling in round uh, in week one. And then Magdalenet, she's got Wozniacki in round one. She is certainly a seed in jeopardy. Predictions for this section. I think this is maybe the one where I got the most funky. I didn't know what to do in terms of the Caroline Garcia section. Do I pick Garcia? Do I pick Osaka? Do I go funky with a Putensiva? Or do I just pray Potapova's healthy and we get the best version of her? Because I think the best version of her is the most complete player in this section. The best version of Garcia is the highest upside player in this section. (sighs) Make a choice, Alex. Garcia or Potapova? Are you going to hold seat or not? You know what? I'm going to pivot. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to take Garcia over Potapova. I had Potapova in the slot initially. I'll go Goff over Garcia in the round of 16. Although, then again, now the weapons get a little bit tougher for Goff. You know, again, that's a tough matchup for him to go Fernandez, then Garcia. Round three, round of 16. That That's a tougher draw than expected for Goff and what I still think will be the lightest section of the draw. The top half of the round of 16, I went Kostyuk over Wozniacki. That's right. I'm going bold. I'm doubling down on my Marta Kostyuk takes. I do think this is a year where she reminds all of us, hey, you used to say I have had I had top eight upside and you know, I'm still pretty young. I'm still in that 22 and under club. I'm going to take her to beat Wozniacki in round number four four of this event. Wozniacki gets through the Haddad Maya section. So yeah, I'll go Kostyuk over Wozniacki, Goff over Kostyuk to advance to the semifinals. And then last but not least, the Sabalenka quarter. I have this as the third toughest, not the fourth. I think some would have it as the fourth. And here's why. You look at the seeds, you know, again, I just think it's the most volatile group that we have perhaps of the sections of the draw. And When I say most volatile, I mean, I don't know what I'm getting from these seeds, but if we get their best, all of a sudden Sabalenka's draw gets a lot tougher. And look, the seeds in this section are headlined by Sabalenka, who's the two seed, Jabur, who's the six seed, haven't seen her yet this year, Krechikova, the nine seed. When she's good, she looks like one of the five best players in the world. When she doesn't, she loses round number one. Samsonova, same thing. When she wins, she wins 13 of 15 matches. When she loses, it's four in a row, and she hasn't looked great to start this season. Consecutive losses. 
Alexandrova, great week in Adelaide this past week, but another player who runs hot and cold. Same with Donna Vekic. All due respect to Lysia Serenko, Wang Xinyu, the other seeds in this section. I just don't think they move the needle as much as other seeds might. You just have five seeds who run really hot and cold in this Sabalenka section. Here's the thing. If three of the five end up clicking in this event, now this Sabal, especially if it's like a Samsonova, Jaburn, Krechikova, all bring their best tennis. Now, all of a sudden, Sabalenka's section got pretty tough. You know, again, if it's a good Vekic performance, a good Alexandrova performance, you're still probably like, yeah, but Sabalenka's a heavy favorite. If you only get like a good Jabur, only get a good Krechikova, you're still probably leaning Sabalenka pretty heavily. This is the most volatile section in terms of the seeds. That's why I'm going to put it at a firm third because, again, Rabakina, Pagula, you just know what you're getting. That's second, and the Iga quarter is just brutal from top to bottom. So this is my third toughest quarter of the draw. Some very fun first-round matches across the board. Starts, obviously, with a couple of big hitting headliners who you're not quite sure what you're going to get. But Samsonova versus Anisimova, if they're both playing their best tennis, they could end up in the quarterfinals, semifinals of this draw. If they're not playing their best tennis, they're one of them's going to lose this match first round. Like That's how volatile, uh, again, the highs and lows can be. And you get through this, winner of that's going to be a heavy favorite over two defensive players in Podoroska, Zadanzik in round number two. Now, all of a sudden, you found your rhythm in round number three, heading into what would be a very tough match against the winner of a Townsend, Bedosa, Pavlachenkova, Vekic quartet, one of the most fascinating quartets we have in this Australian Open draw. Again, what makes this quarter a little bit more fascinating, some of the dark horses as well. That Again, th- those are three first-round matches all in the same little 16th, dare I say, of the draw. Samsonova and Isimova, Vekic versus Pavlachenkova, two power hitters. Pavlachenkova's looked better than Vekic to start the season, but Vekic the better track record of late given Pav's injuries. Townsend versus Bedoza is fascinating because Taylor Townsend has come into this year as fit as she has ever been. Her weapons, her style play just make people uncomfortable. And yet I really liked what I saw from Bedoza in what was ultimately a tough three-set loss to Bernarda Pera. Fascinating, fascinating trio uh, section of the draw. And by the way, speaking of Bernarda Pera, she takes on 16-year-old Mira Andreva. Bernie P, the lefty, is striking the ball beautifully. That's a fascinating round one matchup. And then... If you don't get the best Alexandrova, the offensive Laura Siegeman will just make her uncomfortable. So I'll throw that in the best round one matches as well. That's probably more of a for the nerds quality match. And so to get to that section next, I've got three for the nerds in this section. Ons Jabur going to kick off her uh, 2024 season, taking on Yulia Startup Save, Startup Save, the former Old Dominion player, already in the top 200 of the WTA rankings, qualifies for a first slam main draw at this event. Huge moment for the Ukrainian. Again, if you haven't seen her play yet, you're certainly going to get an opportunity to against Jabur. Couple of young players to keep an eye on. Wang Xinyu, the number 30 seed, big hitting righty, aggressive. She is taken on Diane Perry. If you can find that Perry backhand, again, she's in trouble. But when Perry's dictating with her serve, her forehand, her speed, you see the skill set, why she was a top junior in the world. Perry versus Xinyu, another one for the nerds. And then two 16-year-olds in this section. The Andriva, a little more mainstream, obviously. Brenda Fruvertova, the other one qualifying, going to take on Anna Bogdan. Again, if you haven't watched the 16-year-old play, now's the opportunity to do so. She is that good, a name we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, throughout the course of the next decade. In terms of dark horses in this section, 
I think the Mira Andreeva Bernardo Piero winner has to be considered one winner of that. Going to take on Ans Jabur again. That is a tough test for the sixth seed in match number two of her season, whether it's the weapons of Para, the athleticism of Andreeva. I think she actually would be hoping to play the 16-year-old as opposed to the lefty Para, who's just going to yank you around the court and make you uncomfortable, make you play on her terms at times. Again, if you can, if the winner of Andreeva Para gets through that, they're going to be the favorite in round three, even if it is against 30th-seeded Wang Xinyu. So, they're both dark horses. They have to be, given just we haven't seen that much from Jabir yet. If Siegemann can get through 17th-seeded Alexandrova, again, the other seed in that section is 9th-seeded Krechikova, who we just have not seen much of, runs so hot and cold. So I threw her on the list. If Anisimova beats Samsonova, it means it's the best version of her, and why can't she get through to a fourth round over that Townsend, Bedosa, Pavlichenkova, Vekic, Quartet? And then that quartet, right? Everyone but Vekic. And it may be even Vekic to get to round number four. Why not? Like all dark horses, all power players, all people who can just make you uncomfortable if they're playing their best tennis. And again, in the case of Bedosa, Pavs, Vekic, we just haven't seen it enough to know if they are. Taylor Townsend is playing her best tennis. So that Samsonova-Vekic little round of 16 section, a fascinating 16th of the draw. In terms of the seeds in jeopardy, I've kind of alluded to them all. We just don't know what we've seen from Anstrup. Burn to have to play either the always difficult young hungry player in Andreva or the weapons of Para that can make her uncomfortable. Same with Krechikova, who also has Alexandrova in her section. I would probably pick Alexandrova over Krechikova if that was the eventual round of 16. What are we going to get from Samsonova? Who knows? Anisimova round one isn't fun. And then again, she's in that Townsend, Bedosa, et cetera, section of the draw. Serenko, who knows? Bronzetti round one. Masarova or Sasnovich round two could each upset her, prevent her from round three. Vekic, Pavs round one ain't fun. Townsend, Bedosa went around two ain't either. Wang Xinyu, Alexandrova, as mentioned, both tough round one matches as well. But predictions here, pretty stale. I'm going to take Alexandrova to get to the quarterfinals. I'm going to take her over on Shabur. I don't feel great about that, but I'm just not ready to bet on 16-year-old Mira Andreeva quite yet. And the Bernie P pick would be bold. That would be a younger me might pick Bernardo Pera. I'm just going to say Shabur finds her rhythm in the first week before, again, when the weapons get a little bit bigger, that's when maybe the lack of match play starts to display itself. Uh, I'll take Alexandrova over Jabur in the round of 16. Sabalenka. I'm going to take Pavlachenkova. She's played the best of those four that I've seen thus far, or six if you want to include Anisimova and Samsonova. So I'll take her of the big hitters. Give me Sabalenka over Pavs. Give me Sabalenka over Alexandrova to round out our semifinals. And again, that's a very boring selection here in this draw. I apologize. I'm trying to give you accurate predictions, not exciting predictions. I think it's, and by the way, accuracy in this case leads to excitement. If we get the top four players in the world, if this is Sviantek, Rabakina, Sapolenka, Goff, this is Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray days. Like clear cut top four. It's always really fun when we see that happen. By the way, it could also happen on the men's side, given Medvedev, Sinner, Alcaraz, Djokovic, your top four seeds, and probably the way my predictions are leaning. I'm going to stick with the top two. I'm going to take Sviantek over Rabakina. It has nothing to do. Rabakina played lights out against Sabalenka. She's going to have to play that well again against Iga. I just think at that point, Iga gets over the Astapenko hump. What that helps her mentally. 
again, the head-to-head slants Iga, but it's pretty close both ways. Or maybe that one's even even, or 1-0 Sviantec. Still, I'm taking Iga over Rabakina. Seb, no, it's not 1-0 because Rabakina beat her uh, Sviantec at Indian Wells. I'm going to take Iga over Rabakina. I'm going to take Sabalenka over Goff. A little bit of a, dare I say, payback for the U.S. Open. And again, Sabalenka not going to get caught off guard twice. Going to be more prepared, dare I say, for those spots. And then again, the best rivalry we have in women's tennis right now, Sviantek versus Sabalenka. I'm going to take Iga to win slam number one. I think she's the best player in the world. She beats Ostapenko, Rabakina, Sabalenka in succession from the quarterfinals onward. There will be no doubt about that fact moving forward. And it just feels like she has that run in her. That's what we're building up towards to start this season. Even if, again, Rabakina probably looked the best of the three in terms of a single match level uh, against Sabalenka. But I'm just going to take Iga and I'm probably going to do that in every slam for the next 10 years until someone surpasses her or she ages out, decides to go do something else with her life. So I'm going to go boring. I'm going to go script. One versus two in the final. Give me Sviantek over Sabalenka to capture the 2024 Australian Open. That said, that'll do it for my women's singles draw preview. We'll be back tomorrow with the same exercise for the men. In the meantime, if you need more coverage, we're talking all things happening on court this week over on the Mini Break Podcast feed. Damien Coos joining me to set up Saturday's finals, as well as recap the Australian Open qualifying draws. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our podcasts possible. Uh, With that said, again, Make sure you are subscribed not only to this show, but to the Mini Break Podcast feed, our Crack Rackets YouTube channel as well, to ensure you don't miss out on any of our coverage of the year's first major event. With that said, for the fantastic Daniel Westoff, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to our 2024 Australian Open Women's Singles Draw Preview. In the meantime, you know what we say. Hey, great shot and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.